So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adrienne Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with today's interview, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Answer One, Clio and Solo Practice University. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. And that's answer number onecom Clio is the world's leading cloud-based legal practice management software. Thousands of lawyers and legal professionals trust Clio to help grow and simplify their practices. Learn more at Clio.com. And that's CLIO.com. Solo Practice University at solopracticeuniversity.com, a great resource for solos both old and new to learn how to run their practices better. Today, my guest is Amy Cahill. She's the owner of Cahill IP in Louisville, Kentucky. And I want to start by thanking Amy for finding a few minutes to be on the show today. Hi, Amy. Hey, good morning. Amy, it's so nice to have time to chat with you one-on-one because when you and I met, it was busy. There were fleeting moments, but you and I both were at the Clio Conference 2016. Yes, I had listened to, I think, every podcast you have recorded. And when someone told me that you were in the same room, which was sort of a big room full of a lot of people, I was so excited to see you in person. And then you were nice enough to take time to talk to me. And it was like meeting a celebrity for me. (laughs) You know, I have to say, it is so funny. I always think, well, nobody must listen to this little podcast. And all the time... And I travel a lot and I mean, I get in, you know, in front of groups and I speak a lot and I'm the chair of ABA Tech Show. So yes, I sort of end up in front of a lot of lawyers. So it's funny, but our dear friend Nahal from Alt Legal, who I adore, came up to me and said, Adriana, there's a lawyer here that would really like to meet you. And I said, great. You know, I, I love meeting lawyers. And he introduced us and you were so sweet and so nice that I think, I mean, it really took everything I had inside my little body to not actually cry because you had got on on your own and you had thanked me for new solo, which I mean, you're welcome, but really it's all because of the amazing guests that we have and everyone who's so willing, all the other lawyers that are willing to share their information. And, um, it was just so cool and it was so nice. And I really want to thank you for being so enthusiastic and for actually taking the dive. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how you actually went out on your own. Because when we met, I thought, no, other lawyers have to hear this story because you're the one who said, I didn't think I could do it. Your podcast helped. I'm sure you had other sources that helped you too. So why don't we back up just a little bit and give our listeners a little bit of background about where you came from, where you started, and when you started thinking about going on your own. Sure. So I've been a lawyer for about 20 years, a little bit longer than 20 years, and exclusively an intellectual property lawyer for the past 16 years. So most of those years, I was at a large law firm, actually two large law firms, one in the D.C. area. I graduated from the LLM program at George Washington University up in D.C. and took uh, my first 
true IP job there in Alexandria at a great firm, a large boutique IP firm. And after six years there, moved back to my hometown, which is Louisville, Kentucky, and worked here and was a partner at a large regional law firm here in town and worked there for about eight years. I've been out on my own for about one year now as Cahill IP, practicing intellectual property and advertising law about half litigation and about half not litigation, which in the IP world means a lot of counseling, registration Mm -hmm. work, licensing work. That's my background. So um, background on your background, I guess, or maybe more about background on the demographics around there. I would not have thought that Louisville, Kentucky is a hotspot for a lot of IP work. And um, you must have not only been busy enough in a bigger law firm, but also recognized the need for services like yours to have gone out on your own. So what's going on in Louisville? Well, probably around the time I decided I wanted to come back to Louisville for all the reasons people would want to come back to Louisville from a place like D.C., uh, the intellectual property law scene, I think, was on the rise. The larger Mm. firms here had started acquiring the small boutique IP firms here, and that was the case with the firm that I joined. It was a large general service firm with a very good reputation and a regional footprint that had uh, identified IP as a growing area of the law. You know, these large law firms bring in consultants who talk to them about what's, you know, what's growing, what's not growing, and had acquired a small firm here in town. That firm had probably been around for almost 20 years and was maybe the only true IP firm in town, acquired that whole practice and then started to try and grow it. IP law is a little bit different than some areas of law in that you can have more of a national practice because the U.S. Patent and Trademark Mm. Office does not require admission to a particular state bar for practice. So that helps expand the client base. And then all litigation, I should say 90% of litigation in the IP space is in federal court. And of course, the barriers to practice in federal court are different than practice in state courts. So I think that those two things helped. But when I moved to Louisville, there were really only two large firms in town who would have had the right kind of fit. And I just called both and said, I'm coming back to town. I'd like to talk to you and ended up with um, one of those positions. That's cool. And then what was the impetus or the, you know, the series of things that made you start thinking about going out on your own? Well, I want to say that the firm I came from was an excellent firm with excellent lawyers and a great training ground um, with very well thought of professionals. And I have to add that there were, in my view, not enough women in leadership positions at that firm as there are not in many firms of that size, particularly in this region of the country. And I felt like I was spending a lot of time trying to meet the firm requirements that were being set by non-women partners, and that more and more that wasn't what I enjoyed about being a lawyer. I think after a long period of time practicing in an area, you do have some confidence that you can offer the same level of service, the same expertise, you know, without the parts that you really don't enjoy. And maybe you get to a a point in life, a, a certain age or a certain mindset where you think, you know, I, it's now or never, like I've got to take charge right. of how I want my life to, to look. And it was sort of one of those epiphanies, I think. It certainly didn't happen overnight. I, when you start at a large law firm, there's generally, you know, right out of law school, a lot of women there with you starting out. So, you know, this is the age-old story, but it, they try to bring in, you know, 50-50 into the incoming classes. And over the years, of course, you know, almost all of your friends end up leaving. And 
I told all the women who came in behind me, there were a lot of women through the years who would say, how how did you do it? Basically, how did you keep going? And I would say, never quit on a bad day. You know, don't quit on a bad week. Don't quit during a bad month. Good advice. Right. right. Well, it's, it's really a... It's really something I think happens to a lot of women for reasons that I understand completely. But I tried to think I would reevaluate in six months and then I would reevaluate in a year if I still felt the same way that I was feeling almost on a daily basis, which is this is not working for me. And when I got to the end of that year, and I felt like it really had been a full year of me thinking, yep, I still feel like this is not right for me and, and moving forward with the rest of my career, then I thought, okay, what, what are the alternatives? You know, what are the, I didn't just think about going out on my own. I thought about other alternatives, but um, this one started to emerge as the one that would address most of my objections to the large firm because it allowed me to continue doing what I like to do, practicing law. I enjoyed the clients. I was hoping I could continue to work for some of those clients, at least some of them. And it seemed like the more I researched the market, that it was a platform that was likely to be successful. Although like all new solos, I wasn't sure it would be successful, but it it felt like there was uh, enough out there that it it made some sense. So when you talk about doing research as far as the market, the marketplace, the opportunities, where did you turn and, and where did you look? Like if a young lawyer came up to you today and said, I hear what you're saying and I totally believe you but I still want to do some of my own research. What did you do specifically in getting to that place? Who did you talk to? What did you read? Where did you go? And I promise your listeners that this is not a paid advertisement, but I truly <laughs> did start with your, with your podcast. And I would listen to your podcast. I promise them too. <laughs> no, that's cool. uh, your podcast and the lawyer's podcast. And I would listen in my car on the way to yes. work. I would listen in my car on the way home from work because that was the time that I had to devote to research. And I thought the lawyers gave me a broad view of what was going on in the marketplace among lawyers and law firms. And I got my first introduction to things like Clio, which was, I'd never heard of Clio. I didn't know that practice management software existed in the cloud. Right. This sounds like an advertisement too, but it is a game changer for somebody who's thinking of going out on their own. Legal, as you mentioned, our friend Nahal, who mm-hmm. has developed a yes. trademark docketing system, cloud-based docketing system that was also a pay-per-user, pay-as-you-go product. There were other software products I heard about. I use FastCase for research as a bar benefit. Excellent. I'm a member of five different bars, and two of them offer FastCase as a, as a benefit. So I started thinking, okay, from the mechanical side of things, I think this is doable. I understand now how we can uh, make this work from a sort of nuts and bolts perspective because at large firms, you know, you really don't see the back end at all. You don't understand how anything is even getting on the docket. So that's scary for, for lawyers. And they tell you that you don't have to, right? You know, I started my career as a technology trainer and IT person in two of Florida's largest law firms. And it's really funny how very different it is. So they generally do not use practice management programs. They'll have a document management system, but they won't have practice management, which is weird because you'd think the bigger the firm, the more they would need it. But two, you know, you and I could not have had the type of conversation 10 years ago that we would have today about going out on your own, because as you mentioned, the mechanics are a lot easier. You know, 10 years ago, I would have to tell a solo, it was going to cost them five or eight, maybe even $10,000 in initial capital to even get started to go out on their own. 
And now because of the programs that you mentioned that are cloud-based and affordable, I think that's the key word, you know, you start adding them up and you think, well, you know, for this, this, and this total, you're looking at maybe a couple hundred dollars a month total for all these programs. And back in the day, 10 years ago, it would have been thousands of dollars to get started. So that's really exciting that you figured it out. And I had to figure it out to gain the confidence to think that this is a possibility. And you're absolutely right. From everything I listened to, it was something sort of in the last seven years between the time Mm -hmm. I started listening, going backwards seven years, where that really started to become a reality. And I remember being on the phone with Nahal, and I remember this so well. In my last firm, they had a docketing system. Of course, it was one of the big docketing systems. I'm sure it was very expensive. It took us Mm -hmm. a year to implement this docketing system. We were changing from another big docketing system one year to implement it. I'm sure it was a six-figure solution, and it was terrible. It was terrible. And when a client would call and ask for a chart of all of their trademark holdings, and I would go to the paralegal and say, can we prepare a chart of the trademark holdings? It was something that you wouldn't even recognize as a trademark chart. It, you know, it just was not good for me in my practice. Maybe it was serving some other person well who's doing something completely right. differently because it was a firm-wide docketing system. But when I saw what Nahal could do for something very affordable – that was, uh, you know, 500% better than anything I'd ever seen out of the big docketing system. You know, he understood it. He got it. It was sort of a attorney-friendly, client-friendly, IP-friendly mm-hmm. product that I just thought to myself, where have you been? Like, why have you where? not been? <laughs> had these big firms providing the solution all along. So things like that. But it, it was a game changer. And when he said, I can import all of your marks in here, Today. Wow. You know, like I can do it as soon as we hang up. I can send it to you in one hour, a, a full chart. You know, these things were amazing to me that the horsepower was out there and somebody had already thought it through and developed it and that somebody like me could afford it right, right out of the gate on day one. I think I did a calculation at one point, including all of my overhead and rent, that if I could bill 10 hours, right, and I've heard things like this on your firm, but that's exactly what you do. How many hours would I have to bill to cover my expenses 10 hours mm-hmm. a month? I thought I can bill 10 hours a month. I feel fairly confident, you know, from day one. So you're right. The technology is just a huge piece of it. Yeah, it's definitely in a really good place. And I think these startups, these brilliant lawyers and developers coming together to create these tools, it just has changed everything. So it makes me so happy to hear that you're powered by small companies built themselves from the ground up looking to fill a hole in the legal profession and that it is totally working for you. So before we move on to our next segment, though, because I still have a few more questions to ask you, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our great sponsors. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Clio is an invaluable software solution for law firms of all sizes, handling all the demands of your growing practice from a single cloud-based platform. Clio enhances your firm with features such as matter and document management, time tracking, and even billing. 
Clio is an effortless tool that helps lawyers focus on what they do best, practice law. Learn more at Clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals, Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. All right, welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Amy Cahill. She's an IP attorney based out of Louisville with a national practice who powers her law firm through small but powerful legal technology startups that make her efficient and productive, and those tools are affordable, which is one of my favorite things to make sure New Solos hear about and believe. And welcome back, Amy. Thank you so much for taking time again to join us today. We left off sort of talking about those very things that, you know, there are these tools that are able to serve you and help you. And you went out on your own about a year ago. I was looking at your website a few minutes ago and you've got two other attorneys. Is that right? Tell me a little bit about how you acquired, grew, attached those lawyers. Tell our listeners a little bit how you went from, I'm going to go out on my own. I figured out how the mechanics work. I think I got this to adding a few more attorneys to your law firm. Yeah, we now even have three other women attorneys, so we're a total of four women attorneys here. And I I have to be honest, when I left um, the large firm to start my own practice, I didn't have a growth plan. I thought, I'm going to do it myself. It's going to be very simple. I mean, I have dreams of sitting in an office where things are perfectly quiet and nobody knocked on the door and there were no meetings to attend. And, um, (laughs) you know, that was fine. That was going to be fine with me. But then the work came and there was a lot of work and I was working a lot. And I was at um, a preschool fall festival and ran into this lawyer who had been at the large firm several years ago and had left when her first child was born and had been out of practice for about three years. And I said to her, you know, Christina, have you ever thought about going back to work? And she said, I was just starting to think about that. And I said, come talk to me. And so that was sort of sort of fortuitous. She was an IP lawyer um, at my former firm. And we had practiced together in the past, although she wasn't practicing there at the time. I, I ran into her. I want to make that clear. But that was great, a wonderful fit for me. Um, another woman here from a large firm contacted me several times about talking to me about joining. That's uh, Michelle Coughlin. And I tried to set out all of the things that she might not like about a small firm that she would have in a large firm. And she seemed to have the same mindset I did, which was what I'm getting is, you know, what I'm getting is so valuable to me that I can live without all that other stuff. So that that was a good fit as well. And then my best friend for years and years and years recently decided to to join too. So we're we're an all woman shop here. We have one admin who also serves as a paralegal, and we just have a great time. So I love the sound of all these things. And is everyone, um, are all the lawyers mothers who are also trying to figure out how to balance work and life and just, you know, have a career that you all love, but then of course pay all the attention to a family that it needs? Yes, we all are mothers. All the attorneys here were at different stages of being mothers. We have different numbers of children and different ages. 
but I think we all bring our experience of being a woman on this planet to the practice and that we've loved we've loved that. So there's a lot of you can imagine a lot of flexibility, a lot of camaraderie. A lot of husband bashing. I'm kidding about that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure but, all the husbands are very supportive and very important to the success of everyone's career. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, we couldn't we have made know. it this far without them. Or wives. Maybe there's husbands and wives. I don't know. You know, we can't put everything into a, just a box anymore. That's right. Um, so that's. I love that. You know, we don't talk too much about that on New Solo because I feel like I'm usually just diving in. You know, how did you do? It? What kind of technology are you using? But I'm a woman too, and I have work balance, and all of my great friends do, my lawyer friends, even, you know, I have several friends, three of them that I can think of off the top of my head, who are actually single dads raising their daughters. Coincidentally, they're all dads raising daughters. And the importance to them of having that work-life balance is really important. So what I love about what you're telling me is you didn't set out necessarily to create this firm that offers that. You created this firm so that you could have that. And then through, you know, happen circumstance and networking and just being out in the community, you found other women who are also looking for that. And now you together have this firm that understands our professions are awesome. We love what we do. Technology is helpful. I think, I guess what I'm always trying to remind lawyers is, again, 10 years ago, we couldn't have these conversations. They were very different because the technology was harder. It was more expensive. So if everyone in your firm was in the room and we turned around and said, so how important is technology and what you've sort of baked into your practice and your professional lives and the ability to have some flexibility with your personal lives? How important has technology been to that? What would they all say? What would the answer be? In this firm, I think that technology has been important in increasing efficiency and allowing time in and out of the office to be managed in a way that suits individual lifestyles and schedules. I think as we talked about before, it also allows you to manage the overhead so that you can be the type of attorney that you want to be, which is to be a highly responsive, adaptable, lean, price-conscious service provider. And I think we, we do a good job with that. I think our clients would say that we follow through on all of those hopes for legal services. I think that's great. And how did you decide, are you doing flat rate hourly? Or, you know, I'm trying to think of the questions that if I was a lawyer listening to this, I'd be wondering, how did you decide what to do? Yeah, I was so excited to to have some flexibility around what I wanted to do because I'd had clients for a long time and I realized what it was that they needed didn't always fit the large firm format. So, you know, at a large firm, you really can't open a file unless there's a minimum, right? You know, maybe it's $5,000 you're going to bill on that matter or else we're just don't bother us because the paperwork's so expensive and we've got to get you set up in the docket and all those things. So we don't have that problem, right? If someone wants to call me with a one-off, we can handle that very quickly. We have a very lean conflict system. We have, you know, we're paperless. We have um, document management, cloud-based document management system. I can do it all. I could probably do it all from my phone. My eyes aren't really good enough. That's the truth to get a new client in the door and get them set up. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm 47 and my <laughs> eyes aren't what they used to be. But I, I know it's possible. So 
I decided I was going to sort of tailor things to different clients based on what I knew their needs to be. So we do have subscription-based clients, clients who pay a certain amount each month. They can call me as much as they want. Yeah, I think that's been great for certain clients. I knew which clients that that wouldn't work well for me or for them. But um, we have a lot of flat rate services, and a lot of IP firms do offer certain flat rate services. We have traditional hourly billing, but I also have the ability, I think, to just say, this is how much I think this is going to cost me, this whole project you've described, and so let's talk about doing it for this price. And I feel confident that that's a real price because I've got the experience and I know the client. And right. it's just the flexibility that it gives you to, to price things uh, in a way that works for both sides. It's very refreshing. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I say to lawyers all the time, mostly when they've had a few years behind them and they go, I wouldn't know what to charge. I think, no, you really do. Somewhere in there, there's a number or there's a figure. You're just afraid to actually say it out loud, which I think is such a funny thing that happens to us. I guess, you know, me as a consultant, I have that same problem too, which is why I can look a lawyer in the eye who has more experience than I do in a more repeatable and predictable world sometimes than I have and say, no, you know what that number is. And you've got to you know, pull it out from the bottom of your gut, say it out loud. And then once you've said it out loud, and then you can try raising it a little, seeing what a client's reaction is, lowering, you know, once you've got a place to start, it's a lot easier to teeter up and down. And then I think slowly what lawyers, especially with a flat rate, find is that as they have the confidence to say those figures out loud, and know that the value is there. There will be few times that a client will turn around and say, that's too much. And if they do, you just adjust it a little bit because you have the right and the confidence and the ability to do that. And I think that's what is hard sometimes for lawyers to do. You know, Adriana, we've, I think I started November 23rd, so not quite a year, November 23rd of last year, and not one client has complained about my rate, about my bills. Not one client has not paid a bill, um, which that, I, that will change. I mean, eventually we will run into somebody sure. who is upset about a bill or a charge, but it is amazing to me to feel like, you know, I have obviously provided value um, at a fair mm-hmm. price to these clients and that they feel the same way. So, you're right. Don't be afraid to state what you think your value is because you're probably right. And I hate to even pull the woman card, but I'm just going to say it out loud. I think it's even harder for us sometimes as women to say, and I don't know what it is about us. I think there's a level of shyness in saying out loud, here's the value I can provide you. But I just want to encourage every single lawyer, regardless of your gender, but especially women to just say out loud, here's what I can offer and here's the value. And if in the end you're not happy, we're going to talk about it till you are. And I just, I just think that's, that's a hard thing for us to say, but I love encouraging women to, and again, any lawyer, but women to do that. And then hearing, like you just said, no, it works out. It, you know, we have amazing value at this firm and our clients have always been happy. I love hearing that. So before I let you go, because we've been yapping for a while now, what are the two or three main things you have found yourself saying over this year, which you're right, is not very long. You've got a four person firm. It's obviously busy. You're efficient. You're mobile. You can all probably work from anywhere. You can take your vacations. You can take your family time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to give you a minute to think about that. Tell me before we hang up about, was it mom Esquire? 
MothersEsquire.com. Mothers, Mothers Esquire, Esquire is the group. Mm-hmm. And it's a group that was founded by one of my colleagues here at the firm, Michelle Coughlin, and it's gotten recognized now by the ABA and is just an association with state affiliations to support uh, women in the legal practice. And I, I just think it's an issue that's gotten attention over the last 20 years, but just not a whole lot of progress has been made and people are now ready to focus on it again, maybe in a new way. And I wanted to mention it there because she's done such a great job and just absolutely starting it from nothing. No, I think that's great. And I think everyone who's listening to this should definitely log on and, and take a look and learn more and, and contribute in any way that's possible. And now I'm going to go back and ask you the question I started with, which was, what are the two or three tips that you hear yourself either repeating when you're talking to possible new solos or new lawyers or young lawyers, or the things that you just keep saying to yourself, you know, these were the three smartest things I did or two. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Three is a lot. So uh, they're probably the same (laughs) things. The same things that I tell my own children, that's the truth. I have four small children, and what I tell them all the time is, when you're looking at two alternatives, be brave. Take the harder choice. And when you're really afraid of something, then do it twice as fast, right? We don't run away. We look it right in the eye, and we face our fears. So if it's that you think, I think I would like to do it, I'm not sure, and that's the braver or the harder choice, take that choice. I really think that's the way to live. That's sort of my own credo. And I think the second piece is remember all the people who are involved, and that includes your clients who have shown you such loyalty in following you, because when I left, I was you know one person in one office, and try to return that loyalty. Mm. And same with your employees and your colleagues at the firm. Always, I try to err on the side of of their favor. In other words, if there's ever a question on whether or not I owe you fifteen more dollars for lunch, then let's right. not even talk about it. Let me let me cough <laughs> that up, and we'll just move on. So those two things: live bravely and and remember others who helped you get here. You know, one of my favorite quotes from the Dalai Lama, and I won't get it exactly right, but you know, one of his famous quotes is something along the lines of, "Always be kind." it is easy because it is, it's, it's so easy to just be grateful and be thankful and turn back every once in a while and say, you know, really appreciate your support. And that goes a lot further than so many other things could ever go. So I think both of those are such great advice. I love be brave. It's obvious, right? But again, it's one of those weird things that we forget to think about because we don't hear it enough. So I really want to thank you, Amy, for taking the time to, well, first I'm going to thank you for being brave and going out there and building what sounds like an awesome practice that is only getting bigger and better. I'm sure of course, sharing your experience with new solo listeners. Cause you know, you're the you now, right? Right. So you used to listen to this show <laughs> and listen to other guests and think, wow, that's pretty cool. I got some great advice, but that's you now. Now new solos are going to listen to this show and completely be inspired by your great story. Oh, I hope that's true. My last question is if someone wants to reach out and say, Hey, Amy, you know, I listen to your podcast and I just have a question. How to do this? How to do that? How can our listeners either keep an eye on what you're doing or connect with you or follow you or just um, look after your success? 
We have a website, cahill-ip.com, and people are, are you know, they're welcome to email me. I love to be a support, particularly to women, but to anyone. I sure. think women are always looking for uh, role models or examples of how to keep going with a family and how to make it work and how to uh, sort of change lanes or adapt to new life circumstances. And, and I, I just don't want women to give up if they think what they're doing is important, their professional lives are important. I want them to keep going, and I want to feel like I'm there to provide them with support for that. So, you know, my email address is acahill, A-C-A-H-I-L-L, at cahill-ip.com, and I'd love to hear from anyone. That's awesome. Amy, what are your children's names? Oh, you're so nice to ask. I have um, I three boys names. and a girl. Yeah, Joseph uh, is the oldest boy. Then Harvey is the second oh, boy. Um, Edward, who we call Lee, is the third boy. And then the baby girl is Kathleen, and I call her Kate, but my husband insists on Kathleen. Oh, those are wonderful, awesome, strong, brave names. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Amy. For all of our listeners who'd like more information about what you've heard today, make sure you visit New Solo at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Of course, you can always follow us on all your favorite podcast and social media channels. And I'm Adriana Linares. Thank you for listening and join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice solo here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.